0: Welcome. You are listening to a special episode of TLR's podcast. In this series, we are talking to the reviewers who brought you TLR's 55 most reread books. Each episode breaks down the list into specific favorites for that reviewer. You can find more reviews and best of lists on the lesbianreview.com. Today, I'm joined by the fantastic Tara Scott. Reviewer at The Lesbian Review and a few other places that I shall not name because, you know, I'm all jealous. No, I'm not really. But honestly, I can't really remember. Tara's here to talk about her choices for TLR's latest list of 55 most reread books. Tara,
1: thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So you have a bunch of books. And honestly, I was a little surprised that you didn't have a longer list. But this is not, this is a manageable list. Like Victoria beat out your list.
1: So I did this list, it was probably about six minutes after I woke up one morning, because like most people, when I wake up, I roll over and I grab my phone and I saw the email that went through to the TLR crew. And so this list is actually very instinctual. When you said, what are the books that you reread the most? These were all the ones that like leapt to the top of my mind. There are some others that are on this list that when I was looking at, I went, oh yeah, I reread that too. Oh yeah, that's a great one as well. So um, I would like to apologize to the books The Night Off and Courting the Countess.
0: I was honestly surprised you missed that one, hey?
1: Right? Oh my goodness. And even at her feet, Um, again, I'm very mm-hmm. sorry. But this is just what happened six minutes after I woke up, so...
0: It's it's also very Canadian of you to apologize, to start with the podcast with an apology.
1: <laughs> right? Here we go. I'm going to go pour some maple syrup on something. So I still think, however, I only have five. I only have five. All right. Well. This is what I'm saying. Um, no, I stand by it. I only have five. Actually, there's one other book. I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize to it at the end of this podcast because I reread it over the holidays and was like, oh man, this is one of my rereads books. So we'll call that one an honorable mention. I'm sneaking two okay, honorable cool. mentions onto this podcast.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, or three or four. We'll see. We'll see by the Let's end get of the podcast. How many extra <laughs> We don't know. Okay. So if if you're into drinking games, you can you can start a drinking game. Any of the the books that are not mentioned. In our show notes, every time Tara mentions one of those, you take a drink, I'm guaranteeing you by the end of this podcast, you're not going to be sober.
1: <laughs> but you probably won't have alcohol poisoning either, so that's good. Probably
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> You'll feel very jolly, though. Okay, mm. let's start with your first one, Tara. Okay. What is on the top of this list?
1: These are in no particular order. I decided to just roll with the order that i gave them to you because i do think it's interesting it's like how how do books come to us sometimes when we're thinking of these things and so the first one that came to mind was all that matters by susan x maher and i'm going to start with a blurb for that which is life is going damn well for blair spencer she's a very successful real estate agent happily married to a man who encourages her to live the independent life she loves and they're actively working to have a baby The wrench in the works is that Blair favors adoption, while her husband David desperately wants to have a biological child. The fates are against them, and they finally seek the help of a group of reproductive specialists. One of the doctors, a surgeon named Kylie McKenzie, eventually becomes a good friend to Blair, and she needs all the friends she can get when things start to go horribly wrong at home. As her marriage teeters on the brink of collapse, she relies more and more on Kylie's friendship. Kylie's happily gay, Blair's happily straight but the way they structure their relationship leads friends and family to privately question whether the pair is setting themselves up for heartache. They eventually come to a crossroads, which could either destroy their friendship or turn it into what each of them has been seeking. The question is whether each woman can change her view of herself and her needs. The answer is all that matters. So I know why this one sprang to mind first, because this is a book that I turn to when I need solace, when things are hard when i need a break from life because it's long it's so long it's like 500 pages which for lesfic is massive but not only is it long but the characters are so likable they're so charming and it's really it's a very, very character-driven book. I would say this is not a particularly plot-heavy book. Not that romance novels ever are. If if they're ju- if it's just a romance, I don't mean getting into any of the other subgenres within romance. Um, but in this case, in particular, it is 500 pages of like people talking to each other and getting to know each other. And this is one of those friends to lovers romances. It's kind of like Jericho. Oh, I snuck a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take a drink <laughs> take a drink because um, that's what i'm not mentioning today but i just mentioned it um <laughs> but jericho and all that matters are actually very similar in that they are both friends to lovers romances where the romance comes from a place of deep friendship but we actually get to watch the friendship grow too, from the very beginning all the way through. That's quite rare. Most of the time in friends to lovers romances, there's a friendship that's already established. And then from there, it's the, oh no, what's going to happen to our friendship? What kind of a threat is there? And I think there's a little bit of that aspect still in All That Matters. But like, Kylie is such a wonderful swoon-worthy kind of... Th- there must be so many other readers that have a massive crush on her because she's just wonderful. And what i thought was kind of funny we when did we when did we come up with this list was it like october or november you were asking us for them yeah yeah so it's october or november and um in december you and i were having a conversation about how burned out i was getting because i have a very busy job i have you know two kids and a husband and A bunch of reviewing and my own podcast, and you were like, "Oh my god, take a break! What the hell? You haven't taken a break in forever. I forbid you from reviewing for a month," which was amazing. And the first thing I picked up to read was All That Matters. That was that was the first one, and so I had a great time rereading it because, again, like that, it's really interesting to see the chemistry between them and the romantic feelings. Between them build so slowly and so carefully like it's seamless they have no idea when it's happening and if you've read it before you can kind of pinpoint and realize oh it's there from even sooner than maybe I thought before and it's just beautifully done Um, for lesfic readers who are not cool with uh, women sleeping with men in their books I mean I guess you just have to know that Blair does sleep with her husband sometimes because they're married and they're trying to have a baby, like, that's just a thing, but if that's a problem for you, you can click ahead in your Kindle or you can flip a page or two. Um, That's it, though. It's beautifully done. I totally recommend it.
0: Okay, so if people haven't read it before and they now hear that it's a, a, a sort of an affair book... mm
1: Oh, sorry, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, it is not an affair book. So when... Kylie and Blair get together, Kylie and David are separated, and it looks like there's no way she's going to get back together with him, so it's not cheating. It's kind of in that murky, like, we have not declared a legal separation, but it's very clear that Blair is not going to be back with him, and, and they're definitely, like, on a real big break. Like, when the book talks about them, I mean, when the blurb talks about them being on the brink, it's like i i kind of feel like they've careened over the edge her husband does a thing that i don't really want to spoil it but basically there's no coming back from that without like a tremendous amount of therapy or personality transplant so okay no it's not a cheating book okay good um okay Cool. So this
0: is your go-to when you're looking for that comfort read, that really slow bull, that something that's just going to mm-hmm. sit with you and, and, as you put it, give you a nice warm hug. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I love it. Are the rest of your books like this? Do, do you return to them for comfort? Is that why you come back again and again?
1: I can sometimes, and my honorable mention book absolutely is. Um, sometimes it's just because they're fun or because I want to return and revisit the characters. So I would say my next couple are definitely like that. So the next okay. one the next one is Kiss the Girl by Melissa Braden. And I have read everything that Melissa Braden's written that is released because I suppose she's always has something else in the pipe that's not released yet. <laughs> <laughs> but this one has stayed at or near the top of my list consistently since i've read it so the blurb for this one is 28 year old brooklyn campbell is having a bad day a speeding ticket a towed car and a broken heel are all working against her laid-back vibe to top it all off her birth mother whom she's never met has requested contact the only bright spot is an impromptu date with a beautiful and mysterious brunette jessica lennox is what you would call a high-powered executive She's the head of a multi-million dollar advertising firm in New York City, and it didn't happen by accident. But when the blonde head-turner from the wine bistro turns out to be her number one competitor, her life gets infinitely more complex. Is New York big enough for both Brooklyn and Jessica? Maybe it's just time they experienced it together. This book is so freaking good. It has some of the best chemistry I've seen in a romance, and I ad- adore brooklyn and jessica and they're like they know they shouldn't be getting together because they're rivals in business they know this it's a bad idea and yet they had this like magical perfect first kiss after that meeting in the wine bar and neither of them can't not think about each other and they don't know at that point of course when they have that kiss because they probably wouldn't have done it if they had known that they were rivals um But after that, you know, it kind of leads to some flirty texting, and they kind of have some more run-ins and like it's just that irresistible thing going between them. And yeah, as much as I've probably been in the last year more than ever before talking about how much I love books with no angst, because there are there are a lot of romances, like those really fluffy cute ones that I absolutely love. This book manages to be both really cute. But to have a couple of good little angst bombs to kick you in the gut. But they're perfect. They're perfectly done. They're not too much so that they're overwhelming. They're enough so you just do that. Oh, oh no. No, why did you do that? You can't do that. So then you have that, like, perfect happily ever after afterwards. So, um in terms of much, much like Kylie, Jessica Lennox is probably my ultimate fictional character crush. I love her so much. She is such a good, competent adult. I love reading about, like, I love competence porn, like reading about people who are really good about what they do. And she definitely falls in that category. But she's also just like, warm and smart and funny and i don't know what what's not to love so i feel like in this series more than her other series there's a lot of well, what which one's your favorite book well which ones your and people get like very um protective of their favorite book of the series and this is definitely the one that i get protective of like i still have big fighty feelings about it like I don't care if you like the second or third book this is the best book and that's just a position I'm not going to budge on because I haven't budged since it's been released so yes read this and you will hopefully love it even Brooklyn our former reviewing pal at the lesbian review who does not like romance novels liked this one
0: uh we actually did this as a book club read
1: yes and so
0: I listened to it on audiobook. There is an audio version. It's very nicely narrated. If I rec- recall correctly, when the the two main characters first meet, the one is having a really bad day and actually tries to escape her her friends oh, yeah. and stuff because sometimes friends are just overcaring. And that's where she meets yes. um, this very kind, amazing woman at the wine bar, and you know, so it's almost like they they start off as like this. Um, this person to lean on and to talk to and, and to, mm-hmm. and, but there's obviously a chemistry there as well. So it's almost like the, the fates have gotten together. The stars have aligned and they were just meant to be.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, because even like, because Brooklyn's car gets towed, she doesn't have a wallet. Mm. So she can't pay. So she's ordered her glass of wine and realizes she can't pay for it. And Jessica saves her, saves, saves her by paying for her glass of wine. And then I think they end up sharing like a charcuterie board and they just have this kind of great conversation followed by what has to be in the top five best first kisses of Lesfic, if not the very best one. Like, it's just, I I, I don't think I would have the,
0: the capacity to write that list
1: no oh my god no (laughs) no i even even if i even if i was able to compile a list of my favorites i would not want to put that out in the world for fear of the blowback i would receive for not including somebody's favorite on it (laughs) that's the truth like an air completely that happens with our other lists, but I feel like there's something about first kisses that just makes people especially protective. So, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. All right, so. How about your next one? My next one is Poppy Jenkins by Claire Ashton, which is a book that I just adore. But we'll start with a blurb two friends one hot summer a whole load of confusion poppy jenkins makes everyone smile she's the heart of wells a beautiful village in mid wales leaving light and laughter in her wake she has a doting family an errant dog and a little sister with a nose for mischief but she's the only gay in the village and it's a long time since she kissed a girl the chance of romance in sleepy wells is rarer than a barking sheep if she doesn't think too hard life is cozy until a smart sports car barrels into town with the last woman poppy wants to see behind the wheel Beautiful Rosalind Thorne was once Poppy's high school BFF, even though she was trouble. Then one day, she abandoned Wells and Poppy without explanation. Now the High Flyer is back and bound to cause fresh havoc in the village and with Poppy's heart. Folk are not happy. Wells needs to wake up to the 21st century, and Rosalind can help. But old prejudices die hard. If they can be friends, it could be the chance to make everyone's happy ever after. Couldn't it? Sheena, I love this book so much. Like, it just makes me happy. And when, what it, what was the thing it said about how she leaves la- light and laughter in her wake? this book, wh- whenever I think about it, the first impression I get is just that, the, like, that bright, warm light of summer. Especially just as the sun is about to start setting. Like, that's what I, that's the feeling this book gives me. Because Poppy, oh, now I'm thinking back to conversations you and I have had about this book. We've talked about this book before. Mm -hmm. I think we did a whole podcast on this book. Yes, we did. And I'm trying to remember if you and I have differing feelings on some of the characters or if it's that your wife has different feelings. Doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. So I think, was it it you or was it Tamara that thinks... Poppy is an idiot for not cluing in about Rosalind so much uh, I
0: think that was tomorrow. Um I'm okay. I, I thought the book was perfect. But tomorrow's um, <laughs> I'm I'm uh uh I forgive the naive characters and I'm a lot easier mm. than she does. She also was a big Roslyn fan and wanted to smack Poppy upside the head. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right right so i can understand that perspective but i actually like i personally just loved poppy and Rosalind equally and on rereading it it's so much easier to see how deep those feelings kind of go for both of them and how bad poppy was at seeing you know what Rosalind had felt for her kind of all the way back when because this is kind of a friends to lovers and it's kind of a second chance. And it's kind of not quite either all at the same time because they haven't been friends for so long. They weren't actually together in high school, but it's that kind of best friendship. That's, I don't know. It's that kind of friendship where, where you're basically soulmates almost, whether you actually get together or not. Um, and seeing them get together now in the present is so, it's so beautifully done and it also much like kiss the girl like it's it's a pretty lighthearted read but it does have a couple of those um angsty moments to punch you in the gut um especially once those feelings do come out the you know what happened in their past gets explained and i remember reading it the first time going oh oh no oh that that hurts <laughs> Oh, God. But now that when I go back to it, I know it's coming. So that's okay. Um, And it's totally worth it because this book also has one of the most perfect endings. Like it's just so I love those last few pages to it, which I'm not going to say anything else about because I don't want to spoil it. But if you want a book that's just really warm and will make you happy like this, this is one that I'll always recommend. This is probably in my top three lesbian books of all time. This
0: book is amazing and I love this book to tiny little pieces, but it doesn't mean I could reread it. It's not on my rereads list because I feel like there's certain books where once you've gone on that journey the journey is so amazing the first time that you can never recreate it mm-hmm. because you never get that, oh, wow moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's the same for me with Requiem. Like coming back to Requiem was, it's fun, but it doesn't give me that same sort of thrill. So I tend to not want to reread it because I want to okay. rather remember the first time.
1: That's probably a good plan. Um, that's interesting because I'm listening to Requiem right now and i mean first of all i'm thrilled that whoever they chose for the narrator i cannot remember her name i've never heard of her before i was so nervous for this one because the voice is so important to that book and the wrong narrator could have totally just biffed the whole experience so it would have been a major problem but they whoever they chose was perfect but it's interesting going back and listening to it because I feel like I'm having a really different experience this time. I mean, of course, because I know I know the, the twist. Because the twist is a hell of a twist. But I'm still in the first half. And at first I was like, man, I actually don't like Requiem this time around. Like, she's such an arrogant asshole. But then once Allison comes into the story. And you start to see Requiem having to... Oh, no, we snuck another bucket. Have a drink. <laughs> have a drink.
0: We, have we Have we? managed to, to do podcasts without talking about Requiem and Poppy like ever? No. Or, you know, I don't, I don't
1: know. I don't care. Just have a drink. If you're playing from home, have a drink. So seeing how Requiem has to negotiate, like she's just so puzzled by all the things that allison does and all that and i oh i think requiem without allison could never work as as a story that i would be particularly interested in maybe that's not fair to say lee Winter's an incredible author she could probably do it but i have a hard time seeing it because i'm not into assassin stories or thrillers or whatever but like i love allison's character so much That I'm curious to see how the rest of it is going to unfold for me. But it's probably for you, like, yeah, it's probably a good instinct not to read it again. Because it definitely, um, this has been challenging those initial feelings that I was left behind about it.
0: I have reread it since because we did it as a book club read, and I needed to remember what, oh, yeah. you know, all this, the finer details and I did enjoy it. So I, I have reread, it, but it's not, it's not the kind of book I'll instinctually go back to when I'm looking for that hit, that high, mm-hmm. because books will, will give me that particular high, especially if it's something as unique and special as Requiem or Poppy. Yeah. Um, because it's, those are the kind of like once in a lifetime type books that you find.
1: Oh yeah. Speaking of which... Yes. My next book is exactly like that. Okay. My No, wait. I changed it up. Why did I say that? I'm confusing myself.
0: You were going to do Who's Your Daddy?
1: I was. And then I was like, we've been talking about Lee Winter. Maybe I should do my next one now. I'm going to stick with Who's Your Daddy? Because it is a once in a lifetime book. And it's so much of a once in a lifetime book that it's actually my favorite book of all time. So yes, Who's Your Daddy by Anne McMahon and her wife, Salem West. It's the only one they've co-written together. And of course, of course, there's an Anne McMahon book on my list. There has to be. So the blurb for this one is Jill Fryman, Friday to her friends, is a line supervisor at a truck manufacturing plant in a small southern Indiana town. And life on the assembly line is almost as predictable as her love life. When it comes to matters of the heart, Friday always seems to be making the wrong choices. Things go from bad to worse when Elle, a sultry labor organizer from the UAW, sweeps into town to unionize the plant right after it's been bought out by a Japanese firm. Sparks fly on and off the line as Jill and Elle fight their growing attraction for each other against a backdrop of monster trucks, fried catfish dinners, pork day, USA, and a bar called Hoosier Daddy. (sighs) Like, my love for this book has been very, very well documented. (laughs) So, I still haven't read this one. What? It was a book club book one month.
0: Yeah. So, here's my thing, right? So, I tend to prefer audiobooks to to fiction reads because I tend to read to review. Mm. But audio, I'll both review and, you know, listen for pleasure. And I, as much as I want to like Christine Williams, mm. there's something about the way she narrates that sort of is meditative for me. So, I find myself really struggling to pay attention and kind of wanting to fall asleep.
1: That's a problem. That would make it difficult. Actually quite I I do quite like um her and I will admit when I had the flu last year, I spent a day kind of dozing in and out with Jericho playing in the background. <laughs> because it was kind it it just <laughs> worked for that meditative quality you were talking about.
0: Yeah, so that's sort of, uh, I need I need more cadence in, in the voices that I listen to, otherwise I just, I think I'm sleep-deprived, and so when it gets too calm, mm-hmm. it's just like hits that snooze button for yeah. me. Yeah,
1: yeah, I understand. Well, okay, so this book is still wonderful, even though you haven't read it yet. <laughs> I 100% believe you. Um, <laughs> now... This book, part of why I love it, I I am super biased about this book because although it takes place in Indiana, and I did not grow up in Indiana, it very much has the essence of the place where I spent the first 25 years of my life. And a lot of what Jill goes through feels like a lot of kind of the essence of what I went through before I moved away and moved here. Because where I live now is where, you know, I got married and had my family and established a career and sort of did all of those things. Um, But I grew up in the auto manufacturing capital of Canada where, uh, you know, my grandparents were farmers. And um, I, you know, went away to get my master's degree and came back and was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Why like why why am I here? And I felt very much stuck, um, which is kind of similar to to Friday because you know they they do she works at she works at a factory like it is kind of one of those like truck factory sort of auto manufacturing places in the U.S. Big farming community. She's been working on her master's degree, um, and again is kind of just looking at her life and she sees it stagnating, and so when L comes in. It's a big deal for the town for for them to try to unionize the plant because that's, I mean, that's its whole other thing. I'm not going to get into unions and whatever, but, but, it, but it is a big deal for, for the town. And because Friday is a line supervisor, she's kind of, she's basically like management. So they really are kind of those two. They're supposed to be enemies. So it's supposed to be like this enemies to lovers thing, but they could never be enemies because they immediately really like each other in this really charming way. And the other thing I love the most about this book, and I think this is the thing that pulls me back to it over and over and over again, because it's very quirky. The people in it are very quirky because it's that like small town with small town weirdos in it. But it never, it's never mean about these people. It has so much heart and it's so clear that the authors love small towns. And they love these people and they love the quirks. And so it's really just this love letter to small town life. And I just love coming back to it again and again because I feel good and I laugh. And I read it again last year. And again, I was laughing out loud um, occasionally until I was almost crying. Like it's just so, it's such a fun book. And anytime a book has tremendous heart, it's a book I'm going to love kind of forever I think Poppy Jenkins has that too actually I think that's a book that has um, a lot of heart to it so
0: I will say of the McMahon books I have read she has this marvelous ability to kind of she she doesn't paint black and white Mm-mm. she doesn't paint characters that are like oh this is a bad person and this is a good person she has this amazing ability to kind of see both sides of the, each coin Mm-hmm. So even though this person might be like really damaged and and so lashing out at people or whatever it is mm-hmm. um you know there's a backstory there there's a reason why there's a I don't know there's a depth to to her character work which very few authors do
1: It's so true and the thing that I find with all of her books as well and we talk I think we talk a little bit about this um in the podcast that I recorded with her last year. If you want to look it up, I think it's called From Fluff to Faith. And um, all of her books are really grounded in the here and now, which I think is an interesting choice. So, I mean, labor relations in a romance novel is like, what? Why would you? But it's like, that's that's a very real thing for a lot of people. Or her most recent book, Galileo, that like, that one's kind of a rough read, because the central mystery to it revolves around um, teenage boys who are like, ritualistically sexually abused by um, affluent men, including, um, you know, people in the Catholic Church and businessmen and all this kind of thing. And it's hard so
0: take another drink folks
1: oh no no this one's not (laughs) this one is categorically not a reread i did sneak another book in but i i
0: no but you did sneak another book in you mentioned another book
1: book oh my god you're so right (laughs) somebody would be really somebody's gonna be drunk by the end of this i don't know if i should apologize or congratulate whoever it is that's drunk right now (laughs) um yeah so it's like she 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 writes about things that are happening. like they're really, by grounding them in where they are now, it also brings this kind of immediacy and depth. But at the same time, I think all of her books actually have quite a bit of heart to them. And I think that's why she's my favorite, and I keep coming back to her over and over and fangirling over and over. And she's a great person to talk to as well. So, I mean, she's
0: just, she's an interesting, smart lady, Mm -hmm. so you know me, I do love my interesting smart You leads. do.
1: That is your favorite.
0: <laughs> it is. It's totally my uh-huh. favorite. Thank you for spending your time with TLR. We rely on the support of listeners, patrons, and advertisers. So please click on our links to buy. Check out the show notes to find our Patreon link and support our advertisers. You are listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast. We bring you the best lesbian books, movies, and music reviews on lesbianreview.com. All right, Tara, let's move on to your... Is this your last one or is this your second last one?
1: It's the last of my official ones that are on the list, and then I have a bonus book. Or Or two.
0: two. Or three.
1: I'm going to try to keep it to two. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So my last book is actually one of the first books. It's not the very first, but it's one of the first ones that I reviewed at the Lesbian Review. And it is The Red Files by Lee Winter. So I'm going to read you the blurb. Ambitious daily sentinel journalist Lauren King is chafing on LA's vapid social circuit, reporting on glamorous A-list parties while sparring with her rival, the formidable icy Catherine Ayers. Ayers is an ex-Washington political correspondent who suffered a humiliating fall from grace, and her acerbic, vicious tongue keeps everyone at bay. Everyone, that is, except knockabout Iowa girl King, who is undaunted, unimpressed, and gives as good as she gets. One night, a curious story unfolds before their eyes. One business launch, 34 prostitutes, and a pallet of missing pink champagne. Can the warring pair work together to unravel an incredible story? This is a lesbian fiction with more than a few mysterious twists. This book is so fun. It's just so much fun. And I've read it oh god, I don't even know. I've I've read it a handful of times for sure because I really like the characters. I guess that's that's the main thing actually that's common across all of them. If I love the characters, I'm going to reread them because I want to spend more time with those with those people. Um This it's funny it's a i don't know what winter or how ilva categorizes this book um i don't think she particularly cared for it when i referred to it as a romance in my review but the romantic elephant the romantic elephant (laughs) Let's try that again. I think I think that
0: was an oddly appropriate slip of the tongue, right? frankly.
1: Well, yes, kind of because so I would say if we're it's it's probably fair to say it's not just like a straight-up romance, but it is I would call it maybe like a romantic suspense because the romance element is very much equal to the mystery itself and the suspense elements of the book. And The book would not work as well if you ripped the romance out of it. The chemistry between them is so good. I'm a sucker for good chemistry. Although, I mean, why are you reading anything with romantic elements if you don't want the romance to be good? (laughs) Or the chemistry to be good? Um, And I think in this one, part of why I love it so much, and I do love its sequel as well, which I'm afraid to name for fear of giving somebody alcohol poisoning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead. Have a drink. Well, you
1: already, you already mentioned another
0: book, even if you didn't mention the title. Nobody stipulates a oh, title. no. All right.
1: Well, then I'm just going to say it. All right. Have a drink. Um, so the sequel, Under <laughs> Your Skin, also excellent. But the dialogue is so snappy and so fun. And I just love it so much. It really reminded me of some of those movies of the 1930s and 40s. Um, Especially if you look at like His Girl Friday or the Philadelphia story, where it's just that like rat-a-tat back and forth at each other. Um, Especially as these two are sniping at each other. Because as much as they get on each other's nerves, there's something there. There's something there all along. And it's very fun. So yeah, just go get this book and because i love it and it's still let's it i i have a hard time knowing which one of her books is my favorite because i don't at this point think that this is her best book
0: requiem and then breaking character
1: well that's what i'm wondering if uh, if maybe it's breaking character i don't know it's hard to say so anyway regardless thread files isn't the best but i think it i think it might be my favorite because there's just something about these two characters
0: okay so I'm you're also like super loyal like for people that don't know you you're like um and I say this with all the love in the world because I love puppies but you are very much like a puppy you are like once you're bonded to that person or that book or that whatever it is you're there for Mm -hmm. life and I suspect I suspect that's the case with this book I'm not saying this book's bad or anything like that but like no you're you're very bonded to this book
1: I am (laughs)
0: It's yes. true. I don't care. I, I, for the record for the record, I do think puppies are the best inventions ever. So
1: <laughs> it's pretty good. They are pretty great. They are. So Okay,
0: bonus book. I,
1: I do I do want to talk about this one. I didn't include it on the list because it's a book that is not without its problems. But when I was going through that holiday rereading kind of book period it came up and again reminded me it is on my rereads list even if it's not perfect even if it has problems and that book is course of action by gunbrook i'm gonna read the blurb quickly carolyn black an actress driven by her ambition desperately wants the starring role in an upcoming film based on a series of famous novels with a reputation for being willing to do anything to get a part the actress sets out to impress the woman behind the project annalee peterson the wealthy publisher with a mysterious past owns the film rights and will decide who wins the much coveted role when Annalie meets carolyn the woman she has idolized for years sparks fly how far is carolyn prepared to go for the dream part of a lifetime and just how far will Annalie bend her principles in the name of desire so this is definitely one of those books that i've bonded to like the way you describe that i think is kind of what made me realize, yeah, I should, I should, I should talk about this book. And I think it's okay to talk about, um, books with flaws too. I think we tend to avoid that because we don't, we don't like to, to slam books. And I definitely don't want to slam this book because I do, I love it. I read it again over the holidays. And, um, again, it's just, there's something about these characters that I like, but there are problems. I don't like how... Carolyn gets talked about as being so mercenary I think there's something a little very often women judge other women and for ascribing motivations on them when we don't necessarily know what they are and often it often that can take a somewhat cruel and highly sexual bent and and that's something that I don't that I that I don't really love here and also it's a first book and because it's a first book it's a bit overwritten especially compared to some of Brooke's other books but I love celebrity romances and I think this book is one of the ones that's directly responsible for why I love them so much um it was one of the first ones it was definitely like one of the the first five lesbic books I ever read and so those tend to be the ones that I have very fond places for in my heart whether I read them over and over again or not. This is one of the ones that I do read pretty regularly. Um, Some of the others not quite so much. I don't know like I know that was kind of like a lukewarm highly qualified. It's hard to talk about books that you love but you almost don't know exactly why you love them.
0: It's also when you reach sort of the place that that a lot of the team is at right whether we understand this or not we actually professionally review stuff mm-hmm. so we we kind of look at uh, stories in comparison to what they could be and what other stories are com- comparable and even if we're not doing this actively it's there Every time we're we're reading a book, we're assessing, is this well-written? Why am I not enjoying this? Where's the chemistry? What am I looking for in this? What's a typical thing that readers will want to know? Yeah. And so when when it's a book where you can see the flaws in it, you're almost like hesitant to to want to share that. Because you're like, ooh, but am I going to get judged? Because this book isn't as perfect as, say, the next book. But I love it anyway.
1: Yes. It's true. But... I think also I feel almost like a oh this book a debt like this book helped me get through a miscarriage like it's that kind of and there were a couple of other books I read then too that I that I think about in relation to like helping me get over things but I, I wouldn't necessarily read those books again but this is the one that I still end up going back to where it's like no, I'm feeling deflated, I'm burned out, I need, I need something. So like All That Matters in Course of Action kind of both work really well like that for me because they're both, they're quite long. You sink in, you spend time with the characters. It's a a book that can be, for me anyway, can be quite healing. I just find that I skip past some of the overwritten stuff. If there's like storylines I don't care about or whatever, I just skip past those. So that's my bonus book. My other bonus book is not actually... Original fiction, and this is the reason why I never included it on the original list in the first place. This is hopefully going to be the last drink you have to take for anyone playing along <laughs> in the drinking game. Oh uh,
0: no, mm-hmm.
1: I've
0: got I've, I've got a book to talk about after this. So, all
1: right, well, <laughs> I okay. can't be responsible. I'm not responsible for that. It is Truth and Measure, which is a Devil Wears Prada fanfic by Telenu, which is. I've heard being turned into original fiction at ILVA. I have no idea what that looks like. Telenu is also goes by Rosalind Sinclair. Oh, no. Two more drinks. Take two more drinks. She also wrote... <laughs> you can get her books The Lily and the Crown and The X Ingredient, both of which started as fan fiction, and she rewrote. The X Ingredient, she entirely rewrote. It doesn't look the same as the fanfic at all. So... I'm very curious to see how does one take the single greatest Devil Wears Prada of all time fanfic, I mean well actually it's probably better than the original one because, anyway I was about to <laughs> swear about when a hole that otherwise um, how do you take the single greatest uh, fanfic story in a particular fandom and turn it into original fiction so I will admit this is one that I'm very I am cautiously excited about. I want it to be so good, but I love the fanfic so much. And again, I just reread it over the holidays. I tend to read this one over the holidays. It is 270,000 words. So it is much longer than your average novel.
0: You also tend to read it about mid-year. You read it you read this thing at least twice a year, Tara.
1: Oh, that's probably true. When I need a break, I tend to read it. Because when I pick it up, I can't put it down. But the reason I try to save it for the holidays is because if I'm working, it becomes a problem if I'm reading this thing until two or three in the morning. (laughs) So if I read it mid-year, I'm probably on vacation from work. I try not to let myself read it when I'm working. Because even though I've read this thing five or six times now, it doesn't matter. It still sucks me in. So the premise to this one is Andy does not throw her phone in the fountain and quit her job like she does at the end of the movie. She stays. And Miranda is still... it. The other thing to know about this Phantom, it doesn't really matter if you don't know the movie by heart. Like, I only saw the movie once. I like the fanfic way better. Then I do the movie. Don't come at me. I don't care. Like that's just, <laughs> just don't. <laughs> this is this is not a referendum. I'm sorry.
0: Ooh, do we get a double drink for mentioning a movie as well?
1: <laughs> I say move as you feel led. At this point, if you're still conscious and you want a double drink, grab one. Um, so Andy is still working. For Miranda, Um, Miranda is still in the process of splitting up from her husband. But she finds out that she's pregnant. And starts leaning on Andy more. But over time, it turns into a relationship. I, I can't even, like, I cannot describe it in a way that captures the magic without actually getting, like, deep into plot stuff. And nobody wants to hear that. So I'm not going to do it. Just, like, if you have a few days free... And you possibly can just read this because it's so good. And everybody I've convinced to read this also says it's so good. So whether you've seen the movie or not, if you like, if you like age gap romances, if you like workplace romances, if you like ice queens, holy shit, the way Telenu writes Miranda in this, I mean, she's definitely like ice cream material in the movie, but like she's the perfect, perfect ice queen in this. It's so... Good. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Now, I'm not giving anyone else any more alcohol. Actually, you're about to,
0: because I'm not going to let you oh, I'm no. not going to let you get away with not mentioning Jenny Frames, the courting the countess, which you totally I mentioned it at the beginning. But you didn't go through the the whole thing. You just vaguely mentioned oh. it. That's not good enough because I know oh, that you God. love this book as much as I do and it should absolutely be on your reread list.
1: Can you believe that I didn't mention the night off either? Oh, I just did. <laughs> I just did. But we're talking about Courting the Countess right now. Here's the blurb for Courting the Countess. Professor of archaeology Henrietta "Harry" Knight becomes Countess of Axdale upon her father's death and takes a sabbatical from Cambridge University to begin refurbishing the long neglected and run-down Axdale Hall. That is a long sentence. The child of a loveless marriage, witness to her father's infidelities and her mother's pain, Harry has no intention of other Harry has no intention of ever falling in love. Annie Branigan is a survivor, remaining positive through hardships. As an agency housekeeper, she moves from post to post with her daughter Riley, taking care of people who have everything she will never have. Annie's greatest wish is to find her happy ever after. Can love restore the Countess's heart or, and the crumbling Axdale Hall, or will the first foundations of love turn to dust?" It's such a lovely book. Like this book has everything. Like Harry is so grumpy, and Annie is so lovely, and Riley is a wonderful kid who still manages to actually seem like a kid, like not be this perfect little plot puppet dancing through the story. I love their family
0: and there's food, lots of food. Food plays a nice role in this, because mm-hmm. food is a, mm-hmm. a a way that Harry's heart is opened up. Oh yeah, and
1: those cookies. Mm-hmm. What were those cookies? The chocolate something or others? I, I don't remember offhand,
0: but this is just the perfect. If you want a heartwarming romance that just leaves you glowing with delight by the end of it. This is it. Also Ice Queen oh, yeah. uh, and Girl next door. And okay, so Tara, I have a, a, a burning question for you, right? So who who oh. is nicer?
1: How dare you? <laughs> How dare you <laughs> You don't
0: even know who I'm gonna say it. So Annie. Mm-hmm. Allison.
1: I'm so mad at you. Breaking character
0: now. check. Um um <gasps> summer, summer, thank you, thank you. Yes. Uh, um, or who was the other one you were mentioning?
1: <laughs> I'll never say. So, it could be any of them.
0: So okay, well let's settle on those then.
1: Tell us. That's such a rude question. That's so rude. Oh, Poppy. <laughs> okay, so Poppy from Poppy Jenkins. Pop. I think Poppy's probably the nicest. Is she the nicest mm-hmm. or the most naive? Oh, she's definitely the most naive. Like, 100%. Right, so it's easy to
0: be nice when you're naive, though. Right?
1: I would say... Allison is the smartest. Mm. Like, she is also I kind. Don't, I don't... I
0: think she might be the most... Yeah, yeah, okay. Smartest. Maybe. I... Like,
1: she is brilliant. It's true, she
0: is. But Summer... Summer's kind of got street smarts.
1: Yeah. Summer Summer has a strong backbone.
0: She manages to stay nice even when she's surrounded by Hollywood a-holes.
1: So that's one of the things that I really like about her because she's really... Why? Now we're talking about breaking character. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so the thing that I like about Summer is that she, she knows who she is and she is very true to herself and she is not going to compromise her character despite other people's expectations. So I really like that about her. And she she is incredibly kind and very genuine.
0: She does have a bite, but, though. Like, she... Oh, yeah. She doesn't just lie down and let um, Elizabeth walk all over her.
1: That's Annie, too, though. It's Because tr- she puts Eilid first. So I would say she's probably most like summer. Uh huh. Because now I don't know how much of that is just her and how much of that is she has a kid and her kid is her priority. Right. Which is exactly as it should be. I don't know.
0: She's also fiercely chasing her dream though. She is. I get such delight from posing these impossible questions for you, Tara.
1: It's fair it's very rude. I mean she learned how to make Harry's childhood cookies. Yes. I don't know. Well, what do you think?
0: I mean, there's an argument for Poppy being so clueless and so naive because she actually never bothered to sort of figure out what was going on with Rosalind.
1: No, she didn't. And and she's not really challenged herself to have a particularly broad perspective. No. I, like, I think she went to college.
0: Yeah, and but... then came straight back.
1: And then came Small straight time. back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Summer. Summer would be my answer. I love all of them, but Alison has a little bit of a bite. Um, Summer does have a bite, but it's yeah. not in the same sort of way. She she is quite gentle with Elizabeth, mm-hmm. even though Elizabeth is a real pret sometimes. Mhm. Yeah, I would say Summer, but they're all amazing characters <sighs> and all books you should absolutely read.
1: You know who else is like that? I don't think you've read this book yet, but um elizabeth from melissa braden's book beautiful dreamer which was my second favorite book of last year and she's very good like she is incredibly kind and she's fairly quirky and it's a small town and everybody in town loves her but the thing that i love about her is how self-possessed she is like very similar very similar to summer in that sense because at one point the other character i think her name's devon is like you're a little you're a little strange (laughs) nice but strange or like good but strange or whatever and she's like i'm okay with that i like me and and i love i love that we're getting more characters like that who um they are fundamentally good people and they don't actually really care what other people think about that because that is just who they are and they are very comfortable in who they are. Because I think especially, especially as women, but frankly all people could use this, um, we're often told that we should be something other than who we are. And it's so beautiful to get characters who are very comfortable in their skin, which doesn't mean that they don't have challenges and that they don't have things that they have to deal with but to still know who you are and and be okay with who you are like it just it makes my heart happy because that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to negotiate as a parent right now I have two daughters and I want them to be themselves to their fullest potential and not feel like they have to make themselves be less Because society has told them, the media has told them, their friends have told them, or other people in the family. Um, And so it's great to see these models because it just reinforces that for me. It, It helps me want to be my best self more all the time and model that for my daughters. I completely get that.
0: Because being that true self, that person that you actually are, isn't easy.
1: No, and finding someone who loves you. Exactly as you are, and wants to help you. In fact, be yourself even more. To uh, like, is there is there more of ourselves that we don't know that we can unlock? Like, to find someone who's interested in joining us for that journey can be very hard. And luckily, I think both of us have managed to find people who do that for us. Which
0: makes me one of the luckiest people, in, like on earth, and I'm so grateful every day. Right. Me too. <laughs> All right, Tara. So for super fans who don't know you yet, where can they find you online?
1: You can find me on Twitter. So Tara M D Scott. Um I I would really prefer Twitter. I have I I'm sorry for people who have been asking to friend me on Facebook. Um I have been adding fewer and fewer people there because that's really the space for it's more of a space for my family so if i don't accept your friend request on facebook please don't take it personally but please absolutely come find me on twitter i will happily give you book recommendations um every day i tweet five or six of my previous reviews so for people who are like but i don't know where to find lesbic oh my god have i got Lesbian for you <laughs> and come find my reviews at the lesbian review
0: in the show notes, I've linked to Tara's Twitter account and to her favorites on TLR. So she's got a list of favorites on TLR, so you can find it in the show notes. Also, Tara reviews at two other places. What are they?
1: I also uh, review at Smart Bitches Trashy Books and at Lambda Literary. And I'm also mainly focused on FF fiction there, although I might stray towards more generally queer stuff at, Le- at Lambda sometimes. Cool.
0: And I highly recommend you follow her on Twitter because she is always tweeting interesting books. Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you again for inviting me. Thank you for tuning into the special TLR podcast series, where we have been chatting about our favorite rereads. To support the work TLR and Tilt do, please make sure to use our buy links for Amazon or become a patron. Using our buy links gives us a small commission on purchases you make on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking the link. Becoming a patron means you get exclusive content. Go to patreon.com slash thelesbianreview for more.